Hey everybody, it's Lori. And this is Matt. And this is another episode of Teacher, Teacher Saves World. Why can't you be more like my stapler? Keeping my papers together. Okay, I want to start this episode by making an apology. To me? No, to our neighbors. Uh-oh. To anybody who lives um, in the town that we live in. <laughs> to, uh, yeah. We apologize that we have unleashed another thumping. Oh, God. Teenage boy vehicle <laughs> onto the streets. Toby. So, so if you are at a stop sign and your windows start to rattle, <laughs> or if you've just dozed off to sleep and you are our neighbor. Yeah. And our son has forgotten to turn down the base. Yeah. Which we've asked him to do as he pulls into as the hood. As he pulls in to the neighborhood. And rattles you awake. Yes, this has been quite a process. Um, Toby has had a dream to have subs and all kinds of other lingo. I'm not quite sure. Every teenage boy for a very long time. Oh, my God. Uh, this was my... I, I had a, a much smaller version than what he has. I mean, things have just progressed. Yeah. But I remember when I first got my car, and it was the junkiest little beat-up car but my priority was the sound system. <laughs> I, I wanted everyone to know what I was playing. I didn't want them just to know. I wanted them to feel it. Yes. We sat in it the other day. He finally got it put in last week. So this is yeah. fresh and new. And we all went and sat in the Jeep. And you, you felt it in your body, like vibrating. Yes. And then, in fact... I think I might need some dental work. He was... I think I think some Philly, some stuff shook loose in my mouth. And and then later he took a cup of water in a plastic cup and he like put it on the roof and because he, he wanted it to shimmy like all the way down. <laughs> like that was some sort of test, which it did. Yeah. But probably something they do on YouTube or Oh my lord. something. And then I wanted him to play it for the, for the grandmas um and he couldn't find an appropriate song. You know, he's like, I can't play any of my music. I said, well, play like Helen Reddy. You're trying to think of grandmother music. Just rock it. And uh, Rock some soft rock. <laughs> some yacht rock. Yeah. But he's happy, boy. He is. And he's been very patient. I mean, because this is, he bought the actual sub, the subwoofer a long time ago. He took every penny he had and bought it off of a friend. And um, there's a lot more of that. Today, today's yeah. teenagers buy and sell with each other way they more do. than I ever remember doing that. And, um, it's just, you know, I guess it's, it's a thing, yeah. but anyway, he bought this off a friend who, I don't know, didn't want it, didn't need it, or just needed some cash. And so he took everything he had and bought the sub, not realizing that it was going to take even more money to get it installed, to <laughs> buy the amplifier needed to push this big giant speaker. So it's the, the sub has been sitting in our house for months and yes. he finally, finally got to that point. Yeah. And he got it installed. Yep. 
and the rest is history. Yeah. Just cover your toddler's ears if you yeah. hear them coming down the street because yeah. there's a few colorful words. We're sorry. And content coming out of the, yeah. <laughs> the sub. Well, you can't even really, it's just, I don't know that you can even tell what is being said. Good. You just feel it. You just Good. feel it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's our excitement for Yeah, them. so we're sorry. <laughs> we apologize to the <laughs> residents of Tulare. I know. He'll just blend in with all the other boys. Yeah. All right. Apologies aside. Principal. Oh, that's me. That's you are the principal this week. Are you ready to I'm ready. Lift us up? I am. If I were principal, I would be a social media demon. All right. I What's would, different than now? I well, well blend maybe I should just maybe I should be one because yeah. I I feel like principals need to blast out all the good all the time. And you know, our megaphone, right, is social media. So even if you're not well versed in it, you need to be. And you know, we had a great opening speaker at our district. I think it was three years ago, Joe Sanfilippo. Oh, yeah. Right, and right, right. he was a principal, like an elementary school principal, I think. I so, think. right. But, and, and he, his message was about branding. Like, like, what is your school? Brand it and blast it. And so he would just take pictures of everyone, everything. And I'm just thinking, if I'm a principal and I'm trying to make the rounds, you know, to all the evening sports and events popping in and out, you know, principals can't stay for the length of anything. Usually they're... They're hitting three things in a night. And students see you taking pictures of them. First of all, I can attest as a teacher, when you want to take a picture or video of your students, they're usually thrilled. Like, you know, every once in a while they'll hide from you and be silly. But most of the time they're, they kind of fill up like, oh, my God, somebody's taking a picture of me. So whether they have parents or family members that do that, some of them do. They're doted on but some of them don't. And I feel like it kind of fills a little bit of a, avoid there like mm-hmm. somebody thinks i'm important enough to take a picture of you know squeeze in smile and as a principal it just kind of uh, ingratiates you to them and and uh, and you're talking their you're speaking their language right so you really i think need to delve into all the different mediums and you got to blast that school out what do you, what do you think that is cuz i <clears throat> you know me i am not a social media person i do i've never um I've never had any, oh, maybe briefly I tried, but I, I burned out real quick. It just, it's not my thing. Yeah. And I, I get kind of stressed out by it. I just, you know, whatever. What is it? What is it now that, that requires this? What do you think it is? What is, what has shifted? Because I understand it from, if you're trying to connect or sell or, you know, do something, you know, like I understand if you're trying to attract followers what is it about public institutions that need to do this? Because they all do. All you know, athletic programs, mm-hmm. high schools, colleges, you know, I, colleges are a little bit different because they are attracting, they're trying to attract applicants. Yeah. Um, but here was, you know, this guy was great. This um, Joe Sanfilippo, he gave a great presentation. I really liked it. He was an elementary yeah. school, a public elementary, yeah. right? It wasn't a private school that was trying to attract customers. What is it? it? What is it about about the need to do this? Why why is it that our public institutions? I mean, even I understand like the CHP does it because they're getting mm-hmm. information out or those kind of things. But what is it about our schools that we need to do this? 
Well, I think in the digital age that we're in now, it's directly linked, you know, linked to pride, whether that be good or bad, but school pride. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you're right. You're not trying to attract clientele. You've got school boundaries and the kids go to your school. Right. But it's um, infusing a sense of pride in the, in the parents and the kids that the school is your new family. And we, you are now part of the family. Right. And in order to be the part of the family, you're not on campus with us, you know, families and mm-hmm. community members. So we need to show you all the good that's happening. Yeah. I also think since classrooms are solitary places, um, he kind of turned that idea of like, open the door. And metaphorically, you're opening the door to your classroom when you can blast all the good things that's going on in there. Now, you know, you, you probably with the little ones need to get some permission slips. I mean, we even get permission slips signed from our kids that it's okay to use their image. Right. Um, I do a secondary one just that I, for my classroom, cause I take so many pictures of the kids and videos, right. but I just feel like it's really important. I, if you don't do it, you kind of get swallowed up. And I think that's just the nature of the beast right now. I think it needs to be embraced and enjoyed and, you know, find ways that it doesn't stress you. It can be kind of stressful when you're trying to do too much social media. I, I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. But um, I think you need to embrace it. Well, I, you know, something you just said. I think it is, as a tool, parents today are much more aware of what is going on at their child's school than ever before. And this is one of those ways that it's happening, Right. Yeah. I mean, did our parents have any clue what was going on in our, in our elementary classrooms on our oh. middle or high school campuses? Maybe just like one back to school night. If, if we didn't tell them, which we didn't. No. Right. We weren't, op- we weren't telling them everything that was going on. Mm-mm. They weren't with us on campus every day. So, you know, parents today, they are, they're much more included into the community, the larger community yeah. through social media, through the school's Facebook page, Twitter account, whatever. Yeah. Then they're sharing it out. And I mean, it's just kind of a, the pride continues. So it's a way to sort of, it's a multiplier, right? I mean, it's multiplying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's increasing a, the size put it. of that community. Um, but you know, also, I, you know, when I brought up the CHP, it's also a valuable way to disseminate information. Yeah. Right. Because we, you know, we have our, our avenues of communication through our, our database system, right? And what we have discovered during this uh, school, you know, distance learning school shutdown time is a lot of people have uh, have, uh, opted out, right? Because you have to include that as one of the provisions when you have this sort of thing. Like if we're going to, if we're going to send you, if we're going to call you, if we're going to send emails, if we're going to send text messages, then you have the right to opt out. And early on when we started sending some messages through the system, you look at the report and a bunch of people had opted out. I think they just got tired of the phone yeah, calls. Kind of like an unsubscribe. But social media is different. Yeah. You know, social media is different. The people treat social media, they'll opt out of the robo call, but they'll opt in to the Facebook page. Yeah, I know right? our the school's Twitter Facebook page is the most traveled. Mm-hmm. Like it's, they've done, a, our ASB has done a wonderful job building it, but they just you know, it's very popular yeah. and that's kind of our main like funnel of info. Yeah. Not the website, you know, that's kind of old school now, right? Yeah. The website is not, I would, I would be curious to see what the, the traffic on the website was. Yeah, me too. It's more the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So 
I guess it's just, it's you just gotta, the way it's, the, it's the way of the world now. Right. It is. It really is. I mean, I, I, I'm a dinosaur when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, um, I understand that, you know, I'm, there's a whole big chunk of the world that I'm just missing out on voluntarily. I, I, I well, get that. I'm friends with your Westminster high school yeah, alumni page. I, I get it. Like, I just, I just get everything. find Matt through me. I just get everything through, through you. Yeah. Um, but if I was not married to you, man, I would miss out You'd on be so off the much. Grid. I would. Yeah. They'd be like, where's that Matt Jones yeah, guy? I might as well. It'd be like a, <laughs> might as well like live in Alaska or something. Or, <laughs> maybe that should be a show. Can it, they have that show where there's people, uh, what is it called? Like life below zero or yeah, whatever, like off the grid. A lot. They yes. should have like the show of people like the people like me that don't have any social media. They just, but, but yet live in a normal town. Yeah. And just, we're, <laughs> we're totally clueless, right? We have no idea what's, what's trending. Yeah. We know, we don't know what silly things a celebrity did that day. And, we and don't you're, know. And you're okay. We don't know who recently passed away. We're the last to know everything. Yeah. We, we, we still you watch turn on the news. We, at watch, night. we watch the news <laughs> <laughs> and open the paper. Oh my God, we do. We get the paper and we watch the news. I read the paper. I know. I do my Sudoku. <laughs> yeah. He does every day. All right. Yep. So that's mine. All right. Social media. I, I'm with you. I, it's, it's one of those areas where I'm not comfortable. Well, you might need to hire a little yeah. social so media. So we, we would have marketing. to be co- co-principles there we go i would have to have you as my co-principal all right i got you or you're right we just hire somebody yeah right i mean businesses all have them why doesn't uh why does some nice school? millennial yeah some young teacher <laughs> a young dean or something like yeah. that yeah all right well today's topic today's essential question what are the habits of the most successful students what are the habits mm, of the most successful students? And habits, habits, habits are a cottage industry. I mean, the habits, the, the, the science behind habits and the books and the websites and the professionals, mm -hmm. it's huge. And I think, you know, we have truly become to appreciate our developed knowledge of, of the impact that habits have on our lives. We've always known but I think in the last 10, 15, 20 years or so, we've really come to understand. Yeah, it's big business. It really is. You know, and it was, it was Aristotle, right, that was credited with saying, we are what we repeatedly do, or you are what you repeatedly do. Yeah. And what we do repeatedly, those things are called habits. Yeah. Right? Those things that you do in an in a unconscious way. So a cue sets off a string of, of actions. Mm-hmm. It's when you're, you know, you're driving home from work, your mind is full of stuff. You mean to go to the grocery store and then you, you look up and you're in your driveway because you're so used to driving home and you take the path and you forgot to go to the grocery yeah. store. Yeah. You know, we are creatures of habit. Truly. We can only handle so many decisions in a, in a day. And the more that we can offload to habits, the more efficient our life becomes. Well, yeah. I mean, good and bad. I was going to say. And right. then, you know, the talk of you can't really, it's much harder to just stop a bad habit. It needs to be replaced with a good habit. Yeah. You know, so habits, you're right. It's like the two paths. Yeah. And I, I, I think I wrote a blog post recently about this, how it helped me also to understand as a, as a teacher, 
as a parent that, and I, I didn't come up with this. I, I heard this somewhere and I don't know if I heard it in relationship to students or not. And I just kind of made the connection, but we do not have good students and we do not have bad students. We have students with good habits and we have students with bad habits. Yeah. And that's a much nicer way to look at it. That was when, when that, that washed over me, when I was able to sort of really sit and think about that, Mm -hmm. I really, that was an impactful little thought process. It really kind of changed how I dealt with students, dealt with my own children. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, because we can, we can fall into that trap, right? We can, we can go down that rabbit hole and we can think good and bad and we can, and we can make, you know, quality, we can make decisions about character. Yeah. And that's not a place you want to go. That's not a place that we as mentors. It's a, it's a defeatist place. It's a negative place and uh, it has no hope. Yeah. You know, when you talk about good habits and bad habits, create, you know, the person, then cool. We can change it up and get better. Yeah. You know, we weren't just born and you're bad and you're good. No. No. We develop habits over time. We develop habits that turn into repetitive actions, which becomes who we are, which becomes our character. Mm -hmm. And the great news is we can change them. It's fantastically hard. It is. But we can do it. And it's not so much about changing, it's about really abandoning the bad ones and creating new ones. Yep. A lot of science on that too. But today what we want to do is we want to look at the habits of the most successful students. And when we started, when we sat down and started making this list, we kind of, we went overboard. And, and in order to sort of narrow this down, what we wanted to look at was our most successful students, our, our high achievers, our, our high flyers. The cream the, of the crop. Yeah, those that really separate themselves, that, that notch above. Yeah. You know, and... Um, it's kind of the ones that all the parents want to have. Like, like yeah, the, would you, wish that their... You dream that your, your child is... Develops these habits. Yeah. Um, it's never too late, right? I mean, we can... I'm, I'm still trying to develop better habits in areas. Yeah, me too. Right. You know, oh, this yeah. is, this is an ever evolving we're um, 50 years old. Yeah. I mean, we, we keep going and yeah. I know that, you know, our job as teachers and parents is to help our students achieve the best habits possible. Um, some, some kids develop them sooner than others. Um, but we can always do this. All right. Should we start sharing? Yeah, our, let's our get list? into it. Okay. So these are the habits. Our first habit of our most successful students is their ability to prioritize. Mm. They are great at this yep. because our, our high achieving, I mean, all high school students have a lot going on. They have work, I mean, uh, assignments, classwork, homework, they have tests, they have activities, they might have jobs, they've got family responsibilities, they have relationships, they have, um, games, rehearsals. I mean, they got so many things going on and high school is where all of this stuff I mean, this stuff really ramps up in high school. Yeah. The amount of, of stuff that they need to juggle. They are busy. I mean, explodes in high school. Yeah. The difference between a middle school student's responsibilities and a high school student's responsibilities is, is gigantic, yeah. right? It's a huge leap. So 
a lot of students really struggle with what to do when of assigning value to things like this thing is more important than this thing. This thing needs to be started now because it's not due for three weeks, but it's going to take me a while to get there, you know? And so the best students have developed a, a, a keen sense of prioritization. Yeah. They have just really worked out that skill. Which has become even more difficult because of all the distractions. Oh, yes. The phones, YouTube. There's so many fun, joyful things to get sucked into, right? Mm-hmm. On your phone. Mm-hmm. And you've got to prioritize kind of the boring stuff. Yeah. You know, because most kids don't love all of their classes. There's going to no. be one or two in there that like, okay, I got to get through this. I want an A or a B. I've got to do the work. But mm-hmm. they don't, they don't, it's not their, you know, wheelhouse. Right. So they've got to put all the fun stuff away, all the girlfriend, boyfriend stuff, all the gossip, all the friend drama. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. And what I, what I find in, in these, again, these high achievers we're talking about here is part of this ability to prioritize is almost, uh, here's where the habit stuff really kicks in is there's a compulsion within them that almost doesn't allow them to be distracted while there is a priority. Yeah. Right. While there is, while there is work in the present that needs to be done, they almost can't be distracted. They, you know, they are, there's something they've developed this habitual response that if they know that somewhere in their sphere, right, somewhere in their universe is something that needs my immediate attention. It is urgent. It is, it is priority. It's so mature, right? They have a compulsion that they need to do this because if they tried to go off and be distracted, if they tried to go off and do the fun thing, they know that they could not enjoy it. It wouldn't be fun anymore. Right? Because it, this would be nagging them. Yeah. They got the dark cloud like, this is due tomorrow. I haven't yeah. even started. Yeah. It's no fun. Yeah. Part of this is they, you know, there's a lot of stuff intertwined here, have a high value on education. Yeah. Right? And that creates they their they can prioritize easily, mm-hmm. right? The, the important things over the less important things. They're organized. Have you found, do they, are students utilizing, I have a lot of younger students, so I don't see this as much. Maybe you do with, with older students. Are they utilizing the, the organizational tools of, of technology? Not really. To, to help them with I, their prioritizing? Every time we talk about Google Calendar or alerts or, uh, not really. Yeah. It's funny. They kind of just, they kind of just maybe go on all their Google classrooms and double check and that sort of thing. You know, they're not very good with email, but the yeah. bulk of our kids, cause it's such a fire hose of emails coming at them every day. Yeah. But I always ask about that calendar. Like even a paper, a few have a paper planner, a few of the small old school paper planners, yeah. which, which I like also. Yeah. But man, I, that Google calendar was, which is such a win. Remember when we used to do planners for everybody that used to be a thing that was a thing not too long ago and how long ago did that get dropped i want to say london had one at least two years ago yeah and i was going to say like i think you know some of our older students remember you know they had it when they were in elementary school they kind of just they've developed that habit early on right was they tracked their their assignments in a planner they Mm -hmm. got used to it they liked it schools by us have stopped providing them i don't know if that's a nationwide thing if it just kind of became like 
hey, technology now has everything that this paper planner has, and so we're not doing it, or budget cuts, or I don't know what happened. Yeah, because every freshman used to get a, like a small paper planner. It yeah. had our logo on the front. Mm-hmm. It was really cute. Right. And, and it was a focus of ours where we would put, you know, work on the board, and they would take their planners out and jot down when tests were yeah. and assignments were due. And yeah, what happened to that? we got to bring back the planners. I think so. Because there's something about looking at a month. You know, like a month at a glance. Mm -hmm. I love that. I do too. And then you can kind of really visually see, oh, that is coming up. Versus even my, I do both, but my Google calendar just doesn't have that impact. It's like Mm -hmm. my monthly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, your your answer didn't surprise me as far as students. I I didn't think that they really were, because I think phones for them are just, they're communication tools, right? There's some social media, texting, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. It's their entertainment yeah, it's Music, social. YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. Netflix, whatever. Um, their their devices like their Chromebook or laptops are for production. It's for work, you know, and then watching videos. But you're right. I don't think that they really mm-hmm. tap into those other organizations. Like maybe tools. that should be a focus of ours next year. The faculty to yeah. get students hooked up to Google Calendar. Oh, if I was principal. I oh, just, oh, oh, I'm saving that I'm one. Steal I, that I, one. I, I got it. I got it. I'm claiming it. Dibs. <laughs> <laughs> if I was principal. All right. No, we already did that. I'm next. I'm, I'm um, okay. All right. Our next habit. When faced with um, options that are of differing levels of, of challenge, the most successful students will always take the most challenging route. They have uh, reflexively, they've come to understand that the greater the challenge, the greater the growth. Yeah. You know, and um, over over doing this again and again and again, and then seeing the results of this, right? Understanding that, wow, man, I really got stronger. I really got smarter. I, I got, you know, whatever. And then also building the confidence that comes with repeatedly taking on challenges. Yeah. Right. And this kind of goes along with our growth mindset stuff that we talked about. Um, they definitely have that. They they will always opt for the more challenging route. They want the honors classes. They want the AP classes. And, you know, this is so different, like when the kids internally want to load up that schedule versus the very involved parents that have kids that have the aptitude and the, the parents, right, are kind of like, hey, you know, there's an honors app. You know, you really should do that application because you need honors English next year and them shying away the kids that internally want to do it, that's some magic right there. And you can't, you can push as a parent, but it's its just not the same. You can put it as an expectation yeah. as a parent. Like, I want you to challenge yourself. But, man, sometimes that just works the opposite. It does. And, and this is why we, you know, I almost want to stop this right now. And I kind of want to just take a moment to say, you know, we're, we're sharing we're sharing what we have observed with our highest achieving students. Um, odds are, if you're listening to this and you are an involved parent or you're an involved teacher, you care, you have teenagers um, and your kid does not exhibit anything that we talk about, <laughs> your kid's going to be okay. Yes. Right. And I, and I almost, yeah. I, I like having these conversations. I like observing these things and thinking these things, but I also know the anxiety, the 
the pain and the frustration that we as parents and teachers experience when we have students who, who are capable of this and, and don't do them. Yeah, they're not ready for it. But guess what? They're teens, right? They're, they're going to find their way to this. Absolutely. Hey, there's a reason in a class, graduating class of 400, there's 10 valedictorians. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There used to only be one. I know. That's another. Now there's a. You got me going. Yeah. But I mean, you know, let's get real yeah. here. And, and we're very real with our, you know, yeah. our parenting and children and yeah. our little challenges as well. Yeah. Um, these we, are, these are the high, high, high ones, and this is how they're doing it. I mean, you might recognize this in some of your children and then the children we have are so different, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. Cause I, I will be honest. I, you know, there's quite a few of the things that we're going to talk about today. I didn't have when I was in high school. No. Yeah. Matt. Yeah. The, this choose the challenge one. Totally not me. Heck to the no. No way. <laughs> That's my, well, there's a reason also those, those, uh, rate rate my teachers are so popular. Like, you know, people go to college, the kids and they, they look up the professor Mm -hmm. because they want the easy A. Oh yeah. They're all scanned in there with comments from previous students. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the challenge is not really there. Yeah. For most. So that's the, that's the second one we came up with. They really always look for, you know, and some of these uh, schedules are ridiculous. Sometimes they over, they can overdo it too. Yeah, they can. They can take on too many challenges. We've seen some of these kids that are taking five, six AP courses. And it's like, dude, I mean, step back a moment, be a teenager, right? You're, you're going to spend your entire senior year with your nose in a book and you're not, you're going to be stressed out because you're trying to, you know, do whatever. And it's just like, you know, we, they can go too far sometimes. So. Uh, I've witnessed kids have panic attacks. Yeah. I've witnessed, because I taught AP literature for, mm-hmm. you know, five years, and they would take a whole slate of AP courses. And, like, I'd assign, you know, pretty hefty assignment. It's not, wasn't crazy, but I would see some of them just crumble because yeah. it was on top of the third hefty assignment they got that day. Right. Now, they did it. They signed up for them and they like seeing those AP classes on their transcripts. Mm-hmm. But the, the reality of the workload, even when you try to sway them away, like, hey, maybe just take the AP classes and the ones you're passionate about, you know, that you want to dig in and maybe major in. Yeah. Um, they kind of find out the hard way sometimes. Yeah. I mean, that's all that's all part of it. Right. This is all part of the journey that they are on. And, and yeah. Or be cool with a C or a B. Yeah. You know. Yep. But we learn through our experiences. Right. Amen. All right, next one. They take ownership. They are they are they do they do not pass the buck, right? If they see that something needs to be done, they I like this they, one. They they take ownership, and that's a really, you know, this is a skill that we really would kind of hope that all of our, all of our teens at some point adopt. It might not be when they are a teen; it might be well into their adulthood. But we still we know adults that don't do this. Oh, right? absolutely. That will, you know develop a, a convenient philosophy that allows them to not take ownership of something. Yeah. Right. Um, but our most successful students, they, they see something, they see a problem, they see an assignment, they see whatever they step in there, they take ownership, take responsibility and, and they run with it. And they, they have a confidence that if they're put into group work in class, you'll see those little leaders emerge, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes, you know, they can be taken advantage of a little bit, right? Like those leaders that take ownership. But I, but I always tell my frustrated, you know, sometimes I'll have a frustrated kid come and say, Miss Jones, I don't want to be a snitch, but I, <laughs> please don't put me with this group again. They're doing nothing. And I said, you know, I see they're doing nothing. 
and I know your frustration, you feel like you're doing all the work, all I can say is you are going to be so the better for this situation. You're going to fly. You're going to grow. I'm not worried about you. You're going to get a great grade here. Don't worry about them. You know, but, but just, just know that all your paths will follow mm-hmm. how you behave. Oh, yeah. And you'll win. You'll be a winner. And that's hard. That's a hard one to accept sometimes, right? When yeah. you see you, you're working your tail off. Yep. These slackers aren't, you know, and I remember even early in, in say, uh, my working life, my adult life, sometimes being frustrated when coworkers, right? And, and, and you start to understand the more, the longer you're, you're on this planet and the more you see these patterns play out, you see the life path that those that ignore issues, mm-hmm. right? That ignore and work, hide. right? Yeah. And you see the life path of those that continually consistently take ownership who pick up, you know, the ball that has been dropped yep. and, and, and advance it. You, you start to see the patterns. And so, you know, when, when I was younger and I would get really frustrated, I don't anymore because I understand, you know, how that is affecting their journey through life. Yeah. Right. And, um, and, and, that, know, and, that, and that's the message that we try to help our, yeah. our teens understand, right? Yeah. Because they get very frustrated. Why do I, I'm always the one doing the work. I'm always picking up the drop balls, whatever. And you just got to go, you know what, dude? It's like, bravo. Yeah. That's I fant- see you. It's great. They want to know so you see So proud them. of you. So proud of you. Yep. I see the slackers. Just, you have to have faith. It's going to work out for you. Yeah. And you know? you'll be very well prepared when you go into the workplace and have the same thing yeah. happen, but you'll be getting the promotions. You'll yes. be getting the raises. Yeah. You'll leave work with a, fe- a sense of fulfillment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It'll work out. I know. It works. Plus itself their out. little hearts. Yeah. Here's the next one. They seek criticism and help. That is a, they seek it out. That is a mature little guy right there. It is. And they, they know that it stings. Yeah. It doesn't always feel good, but they, they yep. understand that if I'm going to improve, I need to, one, I need to be vulnerable. Yeah. Right. I need to, I need to lay myself out there. I mm-hmm. need to ask for some feedback on this essay. Yeah. I need to ask for some help with this math problem that I'm really struggling yep. with. Right. And I need to, to hear it. I need to hear what my deficiencies are. I need to hear some, some suggestions for possible alternative ways of doing what I'm used to doing. And, um, you're right. It's a really mature thing that they do. Yeah. I had, you know, I had a really cute kid in fifth period this year who was a resource kid, um, and was one of the hardest workers I've ever had. And before every speech, he would come in like the lunch, maybe before class and he would want to perform it for me you know, to, to tell me, and, and he, I want you to tell me everything, Miss Jones. I want you to tell me, you know, if, if anything's wrong, I want you to tell you maybe if anything's too weird. I just, I want you to just, just tear it apart. And he was so genuine and sincere. And, you know, he really grew. Yeah. Because, and he was one of those kids where you're like, you know, with our resource kids, we really, we, we amend assignments. We kind of, um, uh, we have a, we have grace with mm-hmm. how we grade them, Yeah, you know? Um, you give them more time, et cetera. So he did not need to work that hard. He did it cause he wanted to yeah. and he grew Yeah. and you know, no, he won't be valedictorian of the class, but man, he's going to be fine. 
yeah. he is going to fly. Wow. That's a, that's a great story. Yeah. I, it reminded me of a story I remember I hear, hearing once about Allen Iverson. He was a great Philadelphia 76er uh, basketball player. Do you have the little braids in his hair? Yeah. Tuffy? Real uh, total Tuffy. Yeah. I and, him. and uh, oh yeah, he was spicy and um, he was a, you know, great, great basketball player. And I remember hearing him once talk about, you know, he goes, it wasn't until, you know, and this is when he's in the NBA already. He goes, it wasn't until I really started to understand the value of criticism. Right. And I started seeking it out that I really, that's when I became an MVP. Wow. Right. So here was a, here was a, here was an all-star man who wasn't satisfied just being not just in the NBA, not just a starter <laughs> in the NBA, not just an all-star, right? You would think if you were an all-star in a professional sport, who's, who's to criticize you? Really? But he was like, it wasn't until I started to seek it out and I started to listen to it really, truly deeply mm -hmm. that I, I went from all-star to MVP. Woo. That was the secret sauce. He says, that was, that's what made the difference. Yeah. That's what truly elevated my game. And there's, there's stories like this all over the place of musicians, athletes, yeah. artists that, that elevate. Mm -hmm. And you would think, God, this is a, they're living the life, right? They've, they've, they've made it. They've this, arrived. You know, and. But they they can, want to be better. They want to be better. And the way that they get better is through bringing in like outside coaches or consultants or whatever it is, right? How many great, you know, CEOs who have thriving businesses who was like, who's going to tell them what to do? And they still, they bring in consultants from the outside. Tell us, how can we get better? Yeah, that's what your father did. You know, what can we right? do? Yeah, he was a consultant. Yeah, what can we do to yeah. get better? And so embracing and seeking out that criticism is a, that's a, that's a high level move right there. That is high level. It's very um, exciting. Just yeah. that whole story is like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's the next one. They compete. Mm, that pairs nicely, doesn't it? Yeah. They yeah. are competitive. They're in it to win it. Yeah. And sometimes, again, this is kind of like the um, the choose the challenge one. Sometimes this can go too far. Yeah. But here's here's kind of what we're getting at with the competitive one. What they're really doing when they compete, and they find ways to to make competition even when there is not one, they are leveraging the motivational quality of competition, right? They understand that we need to self-motivate, that the, the truly successful find ways within themselves to get them going. Yeah. And for a lot of these ones, it's, it's through competition. So they make up these little competitions in their head, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they, sometimes it's, you know, they want to get a better product or a higher score or, or whatever it is, or they want to have a higher GPA than this student. And, it's mostly healthy. Sometimes it can get a little yeah. absurd, right? It can get a little overboard, mm -hmm. but it's mostly healthy. And we're talking about our, you know, best, most high achieving students. Yeah. Um, but they really enjoy and embrace competition and really find a way to introduce competition into almost every facet of their, yeah. of their life. Hey, our highest echelon of kids, academic kids, they are fighting for that number one spot. Yeah. In the class ranking, mm -hmm. you know, like we said, we don't know how healthy that is, but Hey, it's a great problem to have, right? I'm too competitive, but it's a game they play. Yeah. And it's kind of neat because they're, they're putting themselves out there mm -hmm. and 
they fight for those top 10 spots. Yeah. And, you know, they shift from semester to semester, you know, from the, when the grades come out. And it's pretty exciting to see. Yeah. And, you know, competition is one of those things that a lot of people hate competition. They shy away from it. Yeah. They don't like it. They don't like to compete. And, um, I mean, I get that. I understand that. And so that's why we keep kind of coming back to this healthy relationship with it. Right. That's the important piece here is that we keep a healthy relationship with competition because yeah, competition can get dark. It can drive people to, to cheat. Yeah. You don't want bad, you know, and that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about truly, you know, again, great stories out there of, of people that, you know, had these sort of, uh, competitions with other athletes or other musicians, right? The, the, the Beatles and the beach boys, right? That, that created, you know, pet sounds, yeah, right? And then we get um, Sergeant Pepper. Mm-hmm. It might have been Rubber Soul. I don't know. But it's like, here we have these two bands that were just inspired, right? Inspired. It was, again, we're talking about um, growth mindset stuff. Mm-hmm. Inspired by, and it pushed, they wanted the better yeah. album, yeah. right? And we all benefited. We all got great albums Beautiful out of, out of the, out out of the of Beach it. Boys and, and, the, and the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. So competition. That that's that was a great one to. I just listened to a podcast on the Beach Boys. So I'm I'm thinking they just talked about how obsessed they were with the Beatles. Yeah, and envious, and and vice versa. And Pet Sounds was really a departure from mm-hmm. their little bebop, right? You know, previous albums, right? They, they wanted the to. Beatles. They wanted to be better than the Beatles. And, yeah, and Brian Wilson achieved that with yeah. Pet Sounds. If you've never listened to Pet Sounds, oh, it's so good. You got to go out there. Cute album cover too. Yeah. Download it right now. Pet Sounds. Beach Boys Pet Sounds. <laughs> All right. We got a couple more. All right. Um, this sounds super obvious, but they do everything well. They do everything well. Quality and, work. And, and here's, here's one of the things that I've discovered in my time is I can divide students into four categories. There are those that do nothing. Nothing or next to nothing. There are those that do some things or most things. There are those that do everything. And then there are those that do everything well. Right. And, and it's about realizing where my students are and getting them to that next level. Mm -hmm. So my students who do nothing, I want to get them to start doing something. I need to find those motivational levers to get them to start doing something. Yep. Once they're doing something, then my goal is to get them to do everything. There we go. The quality might not be there. Yeah. It might be at the minimum. But that's okay. It might be late. That's okay. But I want them to do everything. I want to look into the grade book and next to their name, I do not want to see any empty boxes that are <laughs> no. colored red. No, right? I no hate those. No red colored boxes next. I want a row of numbers. Yeah. Right? In the grade book. But the final goal and our highest achievers, they don't just do everything. They do everything as good as they possibly can. Yep. And you know, I, I think about this when I used to be grading AP lit essays, and I'd, I'd come across a few clunkers, like a few, you know, plagiarized, or they were just really last minute. And I would take a breath, I'd put them down, and I'd flip through the stack for a certain name. Because <laughs> I wanted to read something of quality. I'd just look at the name in the corner, I'd pull it out, and... Oh, because I knew she or he was going to do it well and I could count on them. Yeah. 
like, wow, what a great worker, spouse, community member. What a great human this person is going to go on to be. I can count on them. Was it like having like a little bite of apple or something after like a bad taste of wine or something? Yes. It cleansed cleansed, cleansed the palate. That's beautifully said. Cleanse your your mental palate (laughs) after reading that yucky. Like, what have I done? Yeah. Yeah. So, So, yeah. So, they, they... they really don't, you know, a whole bunch of students really, we always establish minimums. You have to do X number of problems or you have to, you know, have so many paragraphs or so many sentences or, or so many words or whatever it is. There's a need to always establish a minimum with students. Otherwise they will give you less than the minimum. Right. Um, but these students, they don't even, they just blow right past the minimum. Yeah. I mean, they truly will thoroughly throw themselves into every assignment and truly give you their best effort on everything. And that's a habit. Just as in your students who do everything to the minimum, that's a habit too. Yeah. They expend probably as much energy. And that's how you try to get those, those that are doing everything to the minimum to everything well, is trying to get them to understand they are expending about as much energy trying to figure out how to do as little possible, but still qualify, you know, get my full points Mm -hmm. as the one who just sits down and starts giving them their full effort. Yeah. They're going to finish around the same time, but one gets so much more out of it than the other one. Yeah. You know, and that's those high achievers. They just sit down and they they don't play games. No, they just do it. I'm always, they always give their all. Yep. And that, that is a habit. Yeah, it is. That's a, that's a habitual response to work. Yep. Whatever I do work, I sit down and I do my best. Absolutely. You know, that's a habit. Yeah. Developed over time. All right. We got one more thing we're going to throw at you here. They are really good at the positive self-talk. Because we all know, I mean, this is, that's a pretty mature thing. Um, We need to talk to ourselves, right? We need to find ways to motivate ourselves. We need to find ways to help ourselves do things that we don't want to do. We need to soothe ourselves. Yeah. Kind of forgive uh, ourselves, massage our, our bruised egos at time. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, we get a lot of things thrown at us. Yeah. We get a lot of pain, yeah. you know, and you've got to be uh, like, I always say, you know, your families love you, your teachers love you, but you are steering the boat. Like when it comes down to it, it's you. Mm-hmm. and your life. So you've got to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, you got to do it for you. And I don't know if those, you know, I often wonder the kids that have positive self-talk, you know, because it's very like internal, right? Yeah. And is it is it modeled somehow in the home? Is it a energy that they, you know, but I've had very positive kids that have come from rough situations and mm-hmm. vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's not really a, a deal breaker. But I don't know if it just, where does it come from? You know, I, you know, the whole nature nurture thing, right? I, yeah. Um, becoming a parent of teenagers has really opened my eyes, <laughs> right? Really, honey? To the, to the awesome power of nature. And anybody who has more than one child. Man. Anybody who has more than one child understands what I'm talking about, how you can have two children, or if you yourself, I saw this first as a, as a, uh, a brother, right? I am one of two children. 
Yeah. And and me and my younger brother, we're very different personalities. Yeah, you were raised are. raised in the same house by the same biological parents. Yep. But we were very different personalities. Yeah. And we were raised under the same rules. We, you know, received the same love. We received the same redirection. Yeah. And we turned out very differently. <laughs> really different. You know, very yeah. different personalities. Yeah. And 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 we have that in, in our own two children. They're very different. Holy moly. You know? So I don't know how much of that is nature, how much of that is nurture. I know that there are things that we can try to do, right? Yeah, and we're going to keep trying, but there's sometimes I just feel like you're banging your head against a wall. Yeah, there are those that just always so always go to the negative, right? Ooh. They always find a way why this isn't going to work, Yep. why they can't achieve it, Yep. why this isn't for them. And, you know, again, we're hitting, Blame on, everybody we're, else. We're hitting on some fixed versus growth mindset stuff mm-hmm. again. Absolutely. You know, um, but yeah, you know, uh, God, I mean, you're just, count yourself lucky if, if you, a child, you had a child and they were just born with a a positive, you know, naturally positive disposition. Yeah. You know, and. Because you are born with a set point. We talk about set points, Mm -hmm. you know, and then circumstances are a piece of the pie. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um. And then the work you do, like the internal work you do. But yeah. like you've got a set point of kind of optimism, pes- pessimism, yeah. like a nature. Mm-hmm. And it's strong. Yeah. Yeah. But, we don't but these, up. you know, regardless, I, you know, I, I have no idea how these students got to that point, but they all have pretty strong, right? They can talk. Yeah, I can do this. All right. I can, you know, I, you know, this is going to be hard, but I can do it. Yeah. Um, this is actually good for me. Right. They start finding the positive. They really kind of, you know, they find the motivation yep. and they're able to talk. And, and, and when they experience failure, right, they, they can talk themselves through failure. They're like, all right, well, you know, I didn't get it this time, but man, I learned a lot from the process and they know how to talk to themselves. Oh. It's very mature. It brings like tears to your eyes. You know, when a young person is that intuitive Yeah, and you're like, wow. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Man. Yeah. So there we go. That was a good one to end on. Yeah. Those are the habits. Yeah. Prioritize. Accept challenges. Take ownership. Seek criticism. Compete. Do everything well and have some positive self-talk. There we go. There we go. Just order it on up. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry we don't have any uh, silver bullets to ensure these, but, you know, we work on them. Yeah. We are works in progress. Yep. We are. And again, if... If you don't think that your child has any of those that we just said, don't worry. Yeah. They're going to, you love them. You're working hard. You're listening to podcasts. You're trying yep. to figure it out. You're going to be fine. You're showing up every day. Just love them. Gonna, you're going to figure it out. They're yeah. going to figure it out. It might take them a little bit longer, but hey, I did too. Yeah. You know, a lot of us did. That's okay. Look how perfect you are, babe. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> You ready to end with a little beauty? I am ready for some beauty. Good. All right, here we go. The beauty of all. This one is called In the Zone. I was on fire. In the summer before my freshman year, I was playing summer league basketball. I was a six foot, two inch beanpole. And to that point, my height made me a forward or a center. But coach had other plans. This was the 80s when the six foot nine inch Magic Johnson transformed our traditional notions of size and position, running the point for the Showtime Lakers. 
Coach White decided I would be his mini magic, my ball handling skills notwithstanding. In one of my first games as point guard, as I was struggling to keep from dribbling the ball off my pointy knees and floppy feet, I discovered early that I was in the zone. That magical place athletes dream of where everything slows down and everything works. My outside shot was dropping. My passes to backdoor cutting teammates were pinpoint dimes. As I lowered my shoulder to drive, I always found just enough room to slice through the, through the defense and get to the rim. I scored over 20 points that day and we won, but it was the feeling of being in the zone that I'll never forget. And I've continued to chase it for the rest of my life in theater, in music, in writing, in work, and in relationships. I imagine my coach that day realized what was happening, recognized that another teenager in his care had found what it means to pursue life with passion and would be okay. And that's the beauty of it all. Hey, Matt, I can just see you out there on the court. You sound like a little puppy, like your big feet and your pointy. I was. (laughs) You weren't caught up to your body yet. No, big scrawny puppy. But that day, and I'll never forget, everything was working. That's awesome. That is beautiful. Yep. In the zone. We all find it. No one's 
beauty of it all.